All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Brady Liebold, and you guys are watching the Nasty Knuckles podcast. Listening to Nasty Knuckles, the Hockey Outlaws podcast, with your hosts Terry Nasty Sutemeyer and former Philadelphia Flyer enforcer Riley Cote, as they go behind the scenes with your favorite NHL players. Time to face off. All right, welcome back. What's happening, Nasty? Well, Rigorelia, what's going on? Nice sweatshirt. Oh, oh, you kidding me? I didn't realize we had the same ones on, but yeah, it is nice. Well, I just, just literally noticed. realized just that. Just woke up. Oh, yeah, well, no, you know, job. I didn't just wake up. I've had a morning. Um, <laughs> uh, some <laughs> shit going on around here. Oh my god! Fire country. Yeah, just a little bit. Your boy, uh, William Gauthier. Oh, Cutsy. Uh, Cutsy poo. <laughs> See you later, buddy. He's on his way out. Bye. Or he's out. Um, it, crazy, crazy. Jeez, uh, a few are... hours. Um, I don't know where to start with it. Um, obviously, we're just finding out more and more as we go along. But uh, he didn't want to be a flyer. Yeah, that's what the word is on the street. So you know so what? He's. he's no as, longer here. As Jonesy said, then we don't want you, and, and everyone else said it. Yep. But it's true, but wow. Yeah. You want to walk us through this, Riggs, or what? <laughs> well, I'll walk through what I know, which is <laughs> yeah. not much. Yeah, we, yeah exactly. You're, uh, we're hearing a lot of stuff right now. Well, what uh, do we know? We know well, they got traded for Drysdale and a second rounder, right? Yes, That's a fact. And from all accounts, 
this this kid's a right well obviously he's a right-handed d which we do need yeah um and very well loved with the uh ducks i guess just a great kid um loved what he, what he said yesterday he's just happy to be here um didn't really want to talk about william goche going the other way he said i don't know much about him but uh Nice to get this kid in, and you get him right away now. Now yeah. you're not waiting, and you have someone that's excited to be here that's right. and excited for the future. And um, first of all, before we we get into everything, I, I I'm amazed, and and it's actually pretty incredible that Danny and, and Jonesy and the staff were able to keep this quiet. Yeah, um, they actually were protecting the kid. You know, like and rightfully the fly, so. The Flyers, first of all, like we're not just saying this, but we worked here. But it's a first class organization. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you don't want to come here blows my mind away. Is it too hard for you? Whatever, we don't know. The pressure, who knows? The coach, who knows? We've heard rumblings that that's not it. But they found out in uh, May, I guess, that he decided he didn't want to be here anymore. Mm-hmm. So I guess they kept it quiet. Did a good job of that. Which I think was a smart move because if right. there was a chance that he played, you can't reverse the damage that the media would have caused oh, had they have known 100%. that. Right. So smart move. I mean, yeah. Oh, some things man. you got to keep in your back pocket. Yeah. Tight and, your then, chest. and you know, it's funny. Mike Richards posted, uh, uh, he replied to one of Baller's uh, posts from Nasty Knuckles IG and he said, you're always looking for the organizations to be more transparent and tell you more. Well, now... They did, and then there was a post about, oh, tell us how you really feel. Well, hmm. what are you supposed to do? Yeah. I mean, he didn't want to be here, so, you know. Yeah, I mean, obviously the pa- the fans want to know everything that's going on, but the reality is, is there's some stuff that just you can't. You, you can't, you just can't announce and you can't release. I mean, how many phone calls do the GMs have, oh. you know, we're shopping guys around that don't go yeah. any further than the, the office space itself. Like right. The media never gets a handle on it. So there's stuff that you have to keep in your back pocket. This one is a good one uh, because, you know, the, 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 the media, the Philly media can be pretty hardcore. Yes. I mean, it's the last thing you want to do is have your player have to deal with that unnecessarily. Right. So, you know, that being said, um, the Flyers knew that he didn't want to be a flyer, right? And he has still blows my mind. Yeah, right. Well, let's get let's let's get, let's dig into that one. You know, like there's a few reports coming out. Elliot Friedman, you know, spin chicklets guys. Like, you know, where does this come from? Like, I, I don't buy into anybody influencing right. his decision to want to leave Philly, right? Outside yeah. of his agent and maybe right. his parents, right? There's a lot of opinions that you might hear. You might have some buddies yeah. um, that you know. <clears throat> say a, a thing or two but you're a first round pick you, you got the red carpet rolled up you know right. to an organization there has to have been something you know within the, that core group of decision makers being yes. his agent his parents that influence him not kevin hayes right um not anybody else um he's a big boy he's got big boy well parents. even big, it, you know well i spoke with hazy right when all this was coming out he we we talked and he's like He's like, I, yes, I know the kid. He goes, I never, I would never tell him. I loved Philadelphia. Um, I wouldn't tell him not to sign there. And I said, Hazy, if you did, and he listened to just you, yeah. he's an idiot anyway. Yeah, well, I'm sorry it. for saying that, but it's true. Even if Hazy did do that, well, if that kid's going to make a decision off of Hazy, <laughs> you know, like it didn't take anyone in, that watches hockey could see that there was an issue with Torts and Hazy and Torts and D, you know, Tony and Provy. And they're all gone now. 
if that kid's going to listen to anyone beside his family and his agent and everything like that, then he's obviously mentally weak. Well, that's it. You can't blame. Yeah, exactly. And you can't blame it on, you know, people sharing their opinions, even if, even if, if that was true. Right. The, the reality is, is, you know, everyone knows torts. You know what you're going to get with torts. Right. He's a demanding coach. There's yeah. no secret there. Right. So anything that's, you know, Hayes or anybody else would have said to, you know, convince it's not new information. That was, you know, Hayes' situation with torts. That's his own issue. Yeah. That's gone. You know, obviously right. he moved on. It's not, but it, that doesn't bring in anybody else. It certainly doesn't bring in a new, fresh, freshly drafted first round pick right you know it this, this doesn't it shouldn't uh, have any effect on that so but what we do know is that is that somewhere in that pocket he decided he, you know in may he did, of last year he did not want to be a flyer so right. you, you're, you're forcing the organization's hand to obviously have to move him again the time span from then to now is what is that? You know, eight months yeah. or so. A World Juniors, a championship later. Um, he has a, a great showing. You know, they win. His stocks are high. The, you know, the, 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 like time is, the time said, is yeah. the, the time is right. Yep. But um, I, I think you know what we we somewhat know is that you know when he first got drafted. You know, he did, he was so he, horny. Yeah, he's horny. He wanted to be a flyer. Yes. Of course he did, right? Yep. I mean, you wouldn't say that unless Who you wouldn't. Yeah, right. Staring right in the eye, say you want to be a flyer. He goes back to college. He has a good year. So Chuck gets fired two days later. His season ends, and he wants to become a, a flyer. He wants to turn pro. And yep. from what I understand, they didn't have any cap space to squeeze him in. Yeah. And there was apparently a PTO American League. The contract that taken. that he could have taken, I understand. You, you know, he didn't want it, and that's fair enough. You have the right to say no. You do. Um, you also haven't played a pro game in your well, life. Well, yeah, but, but, but you know, you're right. He, can, you know, that's, he, his that's his decision. That's his decision. He's a first round pick. He just thinks highly of himself, so as he should, and so does his agent, his parents. So there's some, you know, obviously some, you know, some coddling and some, you know, direction that they're 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 kind of giving him. Um, uh, but then, the, you know, it, it seemed to have of turn sour or right. whether again i don't know you don't know <laughs> was it like okay well now you didn't find a way to open up a contract for me that i'm gonna be hostile and i'm gonna be, you know, be resentful right for it don't i don't know. know but like the reality is something turned there yep and at the end of the day if you don't want to be a, fly, a flyer and if, if, if your opinion and your feel towards your situation turns that sour that quickly like we can't help you. You know no. what I mean? It's like if you have that strong feelings because they're in a jam with a, you know, a cap issue and they couldn't make it work for 16 or 17 games, I think it was, the end of the season. Right. Like, and that's the way you're going to kind of turn and your attitude's going to change. Then, I mean, it's showing, clearly showing his colors. You probably don't want that guy long-term anyways. I, well, exactly. I, 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 I thought the Flyers handled this unbelievably well, uh, especially their interview. Like, obviously, they're mm-hmm. going to get... Jonesy jumped right in yeah. in between periods and just said he didn't want to be a flyer, so we don't want you either. You know, like and, and there's nothing wrong with him saying that. And no. Torch said this, you know, Torch said the same thing. He's like, if you don't want to be here, we don't want you. And That's they it. got a they got a second Great round return, pick, yep. and they got yeah, and we got a right handed D shot, like, you know, yeah, and you got him now, yeah, right. Like you're not waiting, so yeah. I don't know, I. I have to applaud the Flyers for for this whole situation. Thought they handled it great. Yeah. Of course, we didn't know what was going on, which is usually you hear whispers here and there, right? Like uh, with things like this, but never heard anything. And no. 
Um, someone had said that he's going to go out west there and win a cup of Zegras. Well, Zegras might not be there, <laughs> according <laughs> yeah. to some reports. It sounds like they're getting, he's uh, getting shot Baller around. and Debo, the unbelievable insiders, have uh, both said that they're trying to trade Zegras. Yeah. But uh, who knows? Um, but anyway, just a wild night, and it kind of took away from a, I don't want to say a, a bad effort because I don't think I think these guys I think the Flyers play hard every night, but uh, just a tough game yeah, tough against game. Penguins. It kind of took it, the spotlight away from the game uh, that we ended up losing. I think four to one, but um, great yeah. crazy couple days here. Yeah, and I'm sure in the next day or two there's going to be more information that's kind of funneling through. They were supposed yeah. to have made a statement that addressed it, but it sounds like they're just staying silent. Um, at this point, they might might want to think about coming out with a statement because again, everyone speculates, you know, right, there's all right. this, you know, misinformation out there, this person, that person saying stuff, you know, we, we know, we don't really know. Um, but yeah. what we do know is he's no longer a flyer. We got to move on. You know, it's yep. just a little drama, a little extra, you know, unnecessary nonsense. Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, but you it will be fun when he comes down. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Just he's not going to want to play in Philly. <laughs> Hey, Philly flu. You almost kind of wish that he played on the east, yeah, on the east yeah. coast here, and well, visiting Philly a little more often. A little more, so it kind of <laughs> goes away, right? Be like uh, Yoni picking up. Oh yeah, to play Jordan two two. Uh, my tum tum hurts. My tum tum hurts. But yeah, you know, it's uh, this is part of sports. This stuff happens. Yeah. Um, you know, you got high end picks getting influenced because they. They gotta want to go into the best situation that they can to go into, and if for some reason they didn't feel like that, um, you know, they have the right. You know, everyone's got the yeah, right to have, to have right. an opinion, and just, you know, it's just like, does it reflect well? Probably not, but no, you know. Um, but the reality is, is it is a business. If you're not happy with your situation, you have that luxury to go elsewhere. You got, you know, your well, stocks are high. He he would have. They could have made him sit for two years, but then you lose him. Totally, well, yeah, right. Yeah, like after you don't want to do that. No, like you, don't, you, don't. you don't want to create that that hostage type no. situation. So I saw it, a lot of people like kind of comparing it to Eric Lindros, which really isn't the same because Eric told Quebec, "Don't draft me because I'm not going to sign." Right, him. right. Yeah, like, that's different. It was a way that was a yeah. generational totally. player, obviously way way different. But uh, anyway, crazy. Yep, crazy. Life goes on. Life goes on. Flyers get better. Yep. Keep building. That's right, right. And the attitudes uh, to me has been been good, and yep. you know, it's uh, it's it's trending in the right direction. So it was a, a move that they had to make, and you just got to move on, right? Yeah, I mean, you just got to adjust. That's yep. the name of the game. So, what else you got, Nas? A couple other announcements. Uh, well, your boy Bedsy ain't Bedsy. gonna be pulling Ooh. off any mishies for a few weeks. Got his, <laughs> uh, unfortunately, uh, got his jaw broken. Yeah. Um, What's your take on that hit? I know we talk about hits a lot, but I don't know what you're supposed to do anymore. To be honest, I with struggle. You. I struggle with it because it, it appears to be, you know, a, a larger guy just dropping the shoulder, planting it, which would normally be in the chest. <laughs> someone's chest cavity. It yeah. would be right here on yeah. me too. <laughs> yeah. But you got a smaller guy leaning right. over. I mean, it lands up being right in the jaw, unfortunately. So. I mean, I, I don't think his intentions were impure. Right. I thought he was just playing. He's a hard guy. He, he, he plays, plays hard. hard. Yeah. So, I mean, answers hard. the bell, you know, the whole bit. Um, it's just unfortunate, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it just keeps reminding you that you do have to keep your head up. Um, <laughs> and there's going to be guys that are trying to 
stop you yeah with your with the physical body so right. it's unfortunate that the shoulder drops and the to, to the head to me it's not a head shot it lands right. up turning into one because you're yeah you know you're you're leaning over that you know that low but um it's unfortunate yeah i mean it's part of the game he'll bounce back he'll be fine yeah yeah he'll be good where the bobble score a few but all bobsy he'll still score oh. he's used to it isn't yeah. he junior well, do you wear a bubble or a cage i don't even know half half shield <laughs> it's junior hockey nasty yeah you're right my bad well we have kids that wear bub we have yeah, I know. There's probably some couple bubsies. Couple, couple bubsies. Your boy Nylander, little extra extension. Whew. Eight years, 11 and a half sheets. It's not bad. It's <laughs> raking in your cake. Yeah. I'll tell you, you know, what. You know. You and Debo. <laughs> so it happens when you're skilled, Nast. Yeah, oh, boy. I'll tell you, that's a lot of cake, man. Man. What do you do? What's their do cat? Like, how, can they have, are they going to be able to field 20 players for a game they're paying all these guys <laughs> so much money man. better win some insane. games in the playoffs he better show up for the playoffs man like oh and i mean the end of it it's that's that's a lot of money but hey good for him man yeah good for him yeah highly skilled player that's what, he, that's <laughs> what skill gets you Whew. it's a lot of cake it does all the listeners out there be a high skilled player. <laughs> Be highly skilled. Highly skilled. Stay out of the corners. Don't show up for a playoff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't worry about it. Don't you get to go play golf. More. No need to fight. Put your body on the line. <laughs> yeah. Just be highly skilled. Do not put your Work body on the line. Work those mitts every yeah. day. You have 100 points in the regular season, and then Packer. Nah, he is a special nah, player. I... He really is a good player. So um, good for him. Hey, it's a lot of money. <laughs> it's a lot. Yep. And USA. Then, uh, Sorry about your boys losing well, there. You know, you know, I mean, Canada just want to take a year off. Just give the boys, yeah. a, give the other boys a gold medal. Come back next year. Is that what it was? Flex. Yeah. Is that what it was? And flex. Yeah. You better get some grit on that team. You used to. That's what you used to have. That. We don't do that anymore. You don't. <laughs> just told you. Nobody just, does that anymore. You need grit when you got you yep. know twenty skilled guys. Yep. You don't You're need right. it. Well, you obviously did need it because <laughs> you lost. But, uh, yeah, USA wins a goal. It's awesome. All of us Americans are really happy about it, Riggs. I bet. So, congrats, congrats, congrats. boys. It's well, My boy, well Stan Wong, he was there. Well deserved. Yeah, for sure. All right, Nas, we're ready. We're ready. 142. Can you believe it? Probably not. Can you believe we're wearing the same sweatshirt? Yeah, <laughs> That's no, that twenties. I, <laughs> I can't believe you actually didn't even notice. I didn't, it. man. I'm rattled. Had a had a tough yeah, a tough morning. morning That's okay. But you're good. Let's do it. I'm good. A little little different episode this week, Nas. Yeah, for sure. With uh, our friend Brady Leovold, and um, you know, probably not a very known name in, in the hockey space, but nonetheless, his story is incredible and it's uh it's you know it's it's just reflective of the mental health issues that not just hockey players or athletes go through but you know that regular people go through a little heavier than normal eh, nasty yeah a little heavier a little heavier but uh a great is this will be a great listen for anyone or watch whatever however you tune in to us but yeah a little heavier but uh man has he uh turned his life around when you someone says to hell and back yeah he's been there yeah no joke so I think we're ready to rock here, Nast. Let's go. Before we jump in with our friend Brady Leovold, a little message from our good friends at HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit, Nast. Yes, it is. And I'll tell you what, not only is it delish, 
It's quick and easy when you're having a night where you don't have a whole lot of time to prepare. I use it all the time. And I'll tell you what, this time of year, everyone's trying to like revamp their bodies, try to get, okay, I'm going to eat better. This is the perfect way. They have a calorie smart menu, protein, which the boys use. So you can't go wrong. Yeah. Well, I thought you were uh, cooking all the dinners around here. Well, I mean, we don't tell everyone it's from HelloFresh. I like to look like I'm actually making this stuff. got the apron but, on and everything. Oh, yeah. yeah. I put the hat Taking on. Taking all the street cred. We still haven't put it, taken a picture of me. Oh, we got to get that on. But there. we will. It's unreal. Yeah, well, it's, it's certainly uh, helpful to, to feed two young hockey players and three three oh yeah three yeah right yeah what am i <laughs> kidding <Cannot Alvey? laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> my bad feeding them some nutrient rich nutrient rich foods yes by hello fresh they say breakfast is the most important meal of the day and hello fresh agrees in fact they're giving all subscribers free breakfast for life that means you'll enjoy a totally free breakfast item with every single hello fresh delivery now that's worth waking up early it for. is and you know i'm up early oh you are maybe not as yeah. early as you doing your stretches but you're getting the bracky in I'm getting it in all day every day so rigs what you need to do is go to hellofresh.com slash knuckles free and use code knuckles free for free breakfast for life one breakfast item per box while subscription is active that's free breakfast for life at hellofresh.com slash knuckles free with code knuckles free what a deal nast like we always say hellofresh is america's number one meal kit welcome back i'm riley cote and i'm derek settlemeyer and this week we are so happy to have a former pro hockey player does unbelievable work, uh, huge mental health advocate, uh, substance abuse, uh, trauma coach, um, podcast host as well yep. of a hockey to hell and back. It's unbelievable. Check that out. Um, Mr. Brady Leovold, what a special man. Great to have you on, brother. Uh, thanks. Thanks so much for having me. And I just stopped the hop. I want to apologize for we were supposed to do this a couple months ago, but I had something come up with my family and uh, you guys are family men. You, you understand. And I just appreciate your, your understanding and your grace. And, and I'm excited to be here today. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you, Brady. You know, we, we connected a couple years back and uh, you know, I hopped on your pod, uh, I think a couple of times and uh, you know, r- r- right out of the gate, I knew that uh, you were special because h- how resilient you were um, you know, in your life story and your situation. And, uh, you know, we, when Nasty and I talked, you know, when we reached out to you, obviously we always wanted to have you on and reached out to you because it's important to share the side of, uh, you know, the, the, the stories that most hockey families and hockey players are accustomed to. And, uh, you know, it's just the dark side of life, really. It's nothing to do with hockey per se. Um, but, um, you know, we appreciate you hopping on and, and really honestly, appreciate all the work you're doing like literally banging the drum daily for the, the the mental health of hockey players and beyond so props to you for all the work you've done you know you say Helen back I mean we'll, we'll get into all the details uh I'm sure but uh literally I mean yeah it's amazing <laughs> you, you, you you've, you've you've risen above and beyond and uh, and you're getting rewarded for it now so uh you yeah. know props to you Thank you want to start props. with that Thanks, Coates. And I just want to say too, right, you you have hopped on my show a couple of times and you came on really early when I wasn't uh, really established and I don't think anybody knew who I was. And 
Uh, if you would have Googled my name back then, it would have all been the negative stuff. And um, you you really led the way in, in helping me heal just by the the modalities that you use and, and certainly bringing that to the world of hockey, which was um, sort of taboo, I think, prior prior to you really getting out there and, and preaching things like plant medicine. I don't know if we want to go down that road, but I just want to say how much of an influence you've been to me, how much courage you gave me to to start to share the truth and to just be open to to other healing methods that for so long were maybe frowned upon, but have been extremely uh, paramount in me getting my life back. So kudos to you for all the work you've done. And I just want to echo the echo the fact that <clears throat> maybe you don't even realize, but um, you really, really helped me early on and still to this day. So thank you. Yeah, thanks. Awesome. I appreciate uh, awesome. appreciate that. Yeah, I know. It's, I mean, we're all here helping each other, right? I think it's a, be- right. it's a beautiful thing. It's, uh, you know, we're all dealing with our shit. <laughs> you know, we all got our, our, our stuff to unpack and, uh, you know, yeah. it's, uh, it's just the, the way of the world. So, I mean, I, I don't even know where to begin. Uh, you know, maybe <laughs> she's, uh, if 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 you want to kind of give a, a landscape of your you know your your minor hockey career junior hockey career you know you landed up uh, going to uh, Tampa Bay Lightning training camp and just I mean it's a, I know it's a some bit of a, a long winded story but um, you know why don't you it's interesting yeah very it's very wild. interesting I I opening to say the least yeah, um, and uh, this is this is reflective of a, a lot of you know situations that exist you know within sports without with with without sports um it's just the sheer fact of the mental health crisis that we're, we're living in so maybe just kind of lay the landscape and and kind of you know do, do what you do and tell her your story and we'll yeah we'll fill in and ask questions <laughs> yeah feel free to hop in and cut me off anytime because i have a tendency to talk and i lose track of time but i'll do my best to give you the cole's notes kind of version um you know, I, I for as long as I can remember, I've had a stick in my hand and, and I loved it. Um, I started playing hockey, you know, around the age of four or five. And thank God that I did, because at the same time, I went through two extremely challenging things that um, unfortunately are, are a lot more common than maybe people realize. The first is um, my, my parents separated and got divorced and shortly thereafter I was sexually abused and um, that was something that I didn't talk about for many many years and up until I was about 32 so you can imagine 5 to 32 carrying that dark secret was was pretty heavy and um, like I said, thankfully I had hockey because hockey was the only thing that I seemingly could do to take my mind off of um, all the confusion, hurt, pain, all the things that I was going through. And I always say hockey was my first addiction. Um, like I really, really, really loved the way that it made me feel when I was playing hockey. And it didn't have to be a game. I didn't even have to have anybody else around. I could just be my by myself in the carport stick handling. And that was medicine for me. And you know, I spent a lot of time doing it. And I always say it's no secret. If you spend a lot of time doing something, you're, you're going to acquire some skills and get better at it. And that's sort of what happened and um, grew up in Port Coquitlam. So it's about 35 minutes uh, east. No. Yeah. East of, of Vancouver. I'm not very, I'm not a, I'm not a geo guy. Uh, I had to like never eat shredded meat. Um, yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> um, oh, and, uh, and uh, yeah. And so, you know, I grew up in the era of Pavel Bure and, and when I first saw him, I, I thought this is what I want to do. This is who I want to be. And 
I always make the joke. I maybe should have picked somebody else a little bit more attainable. <laughs> there was only one. There was only one Pavel Bure, but man, was he exciting to watch um, as a young boy, and and it really just gave me that that sort of vision, that passion, and and that dream. And I held on to that for for quite a long time. And like I said, uh, hockey really mitigated some of the some of the hell that was going on between my ears and at home. And um, you know, there wasn't a ton of adversity through my first, you know, few years of hockey. I never got cut from a team. I always played triple A. I was always the best or one of the best in my area. And, you know, it's where I felt alive. It's where I felt confident. It's where I felt like I belonged. And, you know, it just, whenever I wasn't doing it, it's all I could think about because I just wanted to escape, uh, all the things that were going on. And, um, you know, underneath, I was really hurting, right? And and doing everything that I could to hide that from everybody, um, like the like so many people do and and have done in their lives of of you know figuring out what mask do I have to put on to to be okay in this room or at in this school classroom or this dressing room or with these people and um, doing whatever I had to do to make sure nobody knew what was going on with me and you know that worked for a while. Um, but when I moved to Swift Current to follow my hockey dreams with the Swift Current Broncos and the WHL, um, you know, that's really where things, I think, really started to fall apart because it was the era of rookie hazing and and all mm -hmm. that sort of, man, I, like I got tormented on the daily and, you know, some people can handle that, you know, maybe it was all in good fun and, and you know, it certainly wasn't fun dealing with that on a on a day in and day out basis. And you know, for some people, maybe it wasn't a big deal. But for me, hockey was all that I had, right? And it was the only thing that made me feel accepted and alive. And just the only time when I didn't feel like I was crazy or alone or just scared that people were going to find out the truth about me and what happened to me. And um, you know, so you know, going through that was really really hard. There was. Uh, you know, it was like a day in and day out basis. And it was challenging, uh, you know, for the first time in my, in my life when I was 16, I remember after my first game, I got an assist and um, I called my dad and my dad was super jacked, right? Like this is 16 years old playing the Western League. I get an assist. I think it was on the eighth goal and an 8-2 win, but still it's a point. They don't ask how, they ask how many. And, you know, I was That's feeling right. pretty good about that. But when I got off the ice... And, you know, started to have to deal with all the, the stuff from the older guys on the team and the vets and it was really hard. And, and I just felt like I wasn't being accepted by the guys. And um, I started to contemplate taking my own life for the first time at 16 while I was, you know, while I was supposed to be living out my dream. I, I started hating going to the rink every day. And, and because, you know, I wasn't willing to talk about what was going on, um, it came out in other ways and it, and it almost led people to create their own narrative and to take it upon themselves to make it even harder on me when you you know and i don't really take shit from anybody i never really have um you know maybe in some ways i have but most cases i don't and so i would talk back or i'd fight back and because i did that they would take it even take it out even right. harder on me so yeah. you know i ended up leaving that year after that game because i just felt like i felt like i i wanted to die and and i felt like I couldn't tell anybody that and long story short I ended up going back at 17 and 
and really started to to change who I who I was and the things that I believed in, my morals for myself, and and started to do things that I never imagined me doing, like like drinking. And I found out that you know I actually liked the way that it made me feel when I drank temporarily because it was a painkiller. Nobody really ever talked to me about that and the dangers that come with that when you're dealing with trauma. And 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 on top of that it was a way to get in with the older guys on the team and to be that guy and to be the gong show. And, and I started to be more accepted. So it was like, okay, well, if this is what I got to do, then I'm going to do more of it. And on top of that, it felt like I couldn't stop once I started. And, um, you know, I, I struggled immensely and, and, and never felt like I could tell anybody. I, I really truly felt alone. And, you know, I feel like I never reached my full potential as a hockey player, um, not because of my skill or anything. It was because of what was going on between my my ears. And it was a it was a really dark place to live in. Um, I really struggled. Uh, let me cu- my, yeah, can I cut you ahead. off and uh, just ask a, qu- ask a question? Just uh, I'm curious if you ever like thought about asking for help or, or t- you wanting to bring it to the surface or was that something like later in life afterthought like you were just like hell bent on keeping this a secret and moving forward yeah well that's a great question coach like so the best way that i can describe it is this that the the stuff that happened to me when i was a kid it really haunted me and i started to pay attention like really early on in my life at school or in the dressing room and i started to hear different language homophobic language and slurs and people get picked on and essentially i watched their lives get ruined on stuff that wasn't even true right um and and it could be a really hard place to navigate meanwhile i'm thinking to myself shit man like if if they find out that this happened to me like then what on top of that too and i don't say this lightly and often i don't even bring it up but there was a large period of time in my life where i actually questioned like am i gay not because i not that there's anything wrong with that but it was a really hard world to navigate because i was abused by an older guy and as a young boy it's like well i'm not attracted to men but because this happened does that make me and it was like this huge battle between you know my myself all the time of wanting to to maybe get help but so scared of what does that look like and i mean there was other things too but that's just one the prime example and so you know there was a time when uh the coaching staff dean chanel who's now the assistant in toronto he was my coach in swift and you know he brought in uh, a sports psychologist by the name of max offenberger who is just a tremendous human being he worked with the tampa bay lightning um for years and other uh, teams but Though I maybe felt safe in talking to him, there was a big part of me that was like, eh, I don't know if I can really dive in here and tell him because eventually he's, if I tell him the truth about how I'm feeling and that I'm contemplating taking my own life and like, am I going to still be on this team? Am I going to be in the psych ward? Cause I was 17 years old. I was not an adult yet. He was, he would have to tell the coaching right. staff or my parents. Right. right? So I, I consciously knew this and I was like, you know what? I am uh, no way I'll, I'll give them a little bit like, cause they know I'm struggling. They can see it, but I'm not going there at all. And that was, you know, just reaffirmed that like, now nah, I'm never going to tell anybody and I'm going to get through this on my own. And, you know, I, uh, I finished my nice. first full year in Swift Current. I got the rookie of the year of the team, uh, for the Broncos. And, uh, you know, it should have been a moment that, you know, was was a happy one on the same trophy as Joe Sackick. It's kind of a big moment in my life. But by that time, I was really starting to fall apart. I was drinking a lot. Um, really important part that I share, especially with the young 
um, youth, but especially hockey players, is that leading up to this point, I had a very, very strong stance on drugs. Like that will never be part of my life. I don't, I've never seen them. I don't want to be around it. I, you know, I had friends through high school that started to go down that path. And I just removed myself from that because, you know, I was a hockey player and that was going to be a problem of me attaining my dream. And just that I just, I was almost honestly kind of scared of it. And um, I went to this music festival in the summer of 2005. It was right after I graduated high school and it was called Merritt Mount Music Festival in BC. And there's several of these across Canada, the United States, where it's like a four or five day long festival, tons of different artists. And um, it was really the first time that I went away with without any real real prevent parental supervision. And it was coming off graduation and, you know, it was sort of like the party's on, right? Even though we're underage, parents <laughs> were buying out. every, every, everybody was, you know, the parents are buying kids who are underage alcohol where it's almost like encouraged and it doesn't seem like it's that bad because it's so ingrained in our culture that this is what happens, that there was never really even a moment where I was like, hey, this is this is kind of getting out of control. It just sort of felt like the rite of passage. And I went to this music festival and I came across, a, a, there was hundreds of people there that I knew, like thousands of people there, but hundreds of people that I knew, hockey players, non-hockey players, whatever. And it, it was a great time to start. And, you know, I'm drinking and first day, these guys come up to me, hockey players, I'm not going to name who they were, but guys that I looked up to and they came up to me and, you know, they held up their hand and they're like, hey man, you want to try this? And they held up their hand and they had ecstasy pills in their hand. I'd never seen them before. I didn't really know what they were. And it, like a couple things happened. One, I was, I was immediately disgusted. Like, no, I'm never doing that. But two, it's like, wait a second, you guys, you guys are doing this right now because like, I didn't think that this was a part of, you know, the journey of a hockey player. And these were guys that, you know, one of them had played a couple games in the NHL, one had played world juniors, won a gold medal, like guys that I really aspired to be and looked up to. Um, clearly I didn't know too much about the the scope of what it looks like to be a professional hockey player, an adult in society, but I was really surprised to see them. But I said no, right? Second, third day, same things happening. Peer pressure starts to kick in. Come on, man, don't be a pussy. Or what's, we're doing it. It's not that bad. Plus, I'm drinking. My inhibitions were lowered. And I think on the third right. or fourth day, third or fourth day, I broke down and I'm just like, you know what? Like, screw it. Like, give it to me then. Right. And I remember I took that pill and it was sort of like the floodgates open. You don't know until you know. Right. And um, it was it was like, where the hell has this been my whole life? <laughs> I want to feel like this as much as possible. I don't care <laughs> yeah. about hockey. Yeah. I don't care about anything else. Like this is, this is the ticket. I mean, it's all temporary, but when you're young and you're in that dark yeah. spot and you're just hanging on for dear life, anything to make you feel better. It's like, Whoa. And, uh, it's just like, I couldn't stop. And, um, you know, I, I just carried on and didn't train, went back to swift current and, you know, had very little understanding of what, uh, binging on alcohol and drugs does to the brain and to the mental and to our mental health. And, and all of a sudden I just leave to Swift Current and stop the drinking, stop the drugs about a week before. Cause I'm like, Oh shit, I got to go to training camp. And I got there and I had a complete mental breakdown, like complete mental breakdown. I was felt like, again, I couldn't tell anybody seven games into the season. I only had one goal, wasn't playing well, didn't want to be there. I actually packed my truck and drove 14 hours straight back to BC without, I think I told my coach, didn't even call him. Like I packed my truck, went to the rink, walked into his office and said, Hey, I'm out of here. There's nothing you can do to stop me. I got to go. And I ended up like driving home and 
thinking that, you know, this was the only option that I had, you know, now that I'm 36, I realized that like, shit, there was a lot of people that wanted to help me <laughs> that would have been able to help me. Right. Yeah. But I, I, but I felt like that didn't exist. And if I told anybody, then my life was going to be over. Little did I know my life was already right. starting to, to crumble. And I mean, long story short, I went home, played in the BCHL and did really well at like nine points. My first three games playing on a line with Kyle Turris and they illegally paid me some money to come play for them that I inevitably spent on partying. And, you know, I, uh, I ended up getting traded to Everett. This is kind of a crazy story that I don't share often. So I told Dean, I was like, when I went into his office, I'm like, you could trade me to the Vancouver Giants or the Everett Silvertips. If it's not them, I don't even care if I play hockey. Like, that's where I'm at, right? This was my mindset. It's just terrible, right? So anyways, I go to Burnaby. And that was your mind is your mindset... Okay, go, go ahead. Go I was, was going to say your mindset, like you're just, you're just being more reactive now because of your yeah. frustration with life and their situation, right? Yeah. Okay, I got you. Yeah, like not even thinking big picture, just like I had been my whole life. It's like, oh, I'm feeling shitty. Pick up my hockey stick. That's my medicine. It was like right. start to drink, boom, drugs, whatever, um, with no no real understanding of sort of my the power of my choices on myself and others and all of that. And um you know, I ended up getting traded to Everett about a month into my time with the the Express and the BCHL. They'd given me this money. I'd spent the money. I got traded to Everett. And I remember Kevin Constantine called me and was like, hey, Brady, like, we're really excited to have you. I know you've wanted, I did want to play for Everett my whole life. When they were the expansion team, that was like the dream team I wanted to play for and the whole thing. And so like, I should have been excited, but I was like a mess. And he called me, he's like, you're going to be playing with like Peter Mueller and Zach Hamill, two first rounders, like, you got a good shot at being drafted this year. I'm going to teach you how to play defense because I know you suck at playing in your own end pretty much is what he said. <laughs> we <laughs> all do. True, <laughs> which is true. Um, and, um, and, and I remember I hung up the phone and I was my buddy was there with me, non-hockey guy, but a buddy of mine. I'm like, shit, man. I'm like, I'm not going. He's like, what do you mean you're not going? I'm like, I'm not going. I'm like, you got to call him back and pretend to be me and tell him you're not coming, that I'm not coming. So my friend, Mike, called Kevin Constantine and was like, hey, this is Brady Leavold. I'm not coming. And he hung up the phone on him like that. Like, <laughs> no way. So unprofessional, oh like God. to Kevin Constantine, right? My dad, my dad, uh, <laughs> who's scouted in the Western League for like, I don't know, 20 years now, probably. He was a He was away. And um, he actually works for Everett too, not not then, but does now. And he was away on a conference, and uh, he had no idea. Like if he was home, he would have made sure I got there. But by then, I had already said no, and the trade went back to Swift Current. And long story short, it didn't take long for me to get kicked out of my house. Um, my dad tried to help, but I was just—I can't get into all the details. I was a mess. That I left. I went and moved in with my friend, and yeah. Yeah. Um, ended up. I got to get through this kind of quick. I, I ended up going back to Swift Current. I called Dean in July of my 19-year-old, like going into my 19-year-old season. I was like, look, I made a huge mistake. Um, I really want to come back and play. He's like, you're probably not going to make our team, not because you're not good enough, but because like you've had problems here and you've walked away on the team and all the things. He's like, but if you come, we might be able to find you a place to play. And so I went. Ended up making the team for the first half of the year. It didn't matter what I did. I was on the fourth line, maybe third line here and there. Started to fight a lot, um, but really struggling off the ice. Missing practices because I'm too drunk to wake up and just trying to drown out my pain and um, really caused a lot of problems off the ice. I ended up getting traded to Kelowna in my 20-year-old year and 
I don't really know why I had such a good year. And like, I don't even care about the numbers. I think I had 70 points and 26 fights and led the team in goals in the, in playoffs in the first round. And like, I don't even look at that and be like, that's my best year. I just know that in from a, a mental health standpoint, where I was at in my life, like I felt really good about going to the rink and, and playing hockey. I didn't have any ex- expectation of playing pro hockey it was all about just this is my last year and it's going to be fun i'm going to go be a firefighter because as you guys know hockey is a very small world and when you have the problems that i just listed and and it, i mean it was a lot worse than that people know right when you get your friend yeah. to call kevin constantine and tell him you're not coming like <laughs> it's not yeah. a good it's not a good look right and and um and again and again because i didn't tell anybody guys about anything and i would deny or deflect it just opened up a whole can of worms for them to create whatever story that they wanted to believe. And so I just right. thought my, my, t- there's no way I'm going to make it to pro hockey after I quit and all this stuff. Anyways, my agent called me for the first time in a couple of years. He's like, Hey Brady, like there's a bunch of teams calling about you. Cause you had a really good year. And uh, you know, what do you think? And I was like, well, shit, like, how do you say no to that? <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, right. You know, like you, you even though up to that point, I was like, oh, I'm just going to be a fireman. But when your agent calls and is like, here, like NHL contracts in front of you, NHL teams, it's like, well, I guess like this is all I know. So I'm going to try it. I ended up signing the wrong contract. And again, I don't want to get into the details. Maybe I'll write it in my book. But somebody owned the Tampa Bay Lightning at the time or was in, in the process of acquiring it, let's just say, who uh, his son played on my team in Kelowna and uh, made a lot of promises. But then he got into some trouble um, in his own personal life and stuff. So, I mean, I was down on the, the, you know, when that stuff happens, he's not worried about me. He's worried about his own life and I don't hold anything against him for that, but I signed the wrong contract. Needless to say, I signed with the Tampa Bay lightning organization. And again, you think like, okay, shit, man, like you're right there. You got an opportunity. This is what you've dreamed about since you were a, a young boy, but right in around that time, I was like, heavily introduced to cocaine and it was like that was all i could do and you know didn't train didn't uh and you guys know pro hockey is a big step up from the western hockey league (laughs) even at the east coast level like it's a big step up and i found out real quick that um i wasn't in the best state physically or mentally to to be there and um four games into my american league career that's all i played i blew my knee out and was prescribed oxycotton and that's sort of that's sort of where that's sort of where the rails really if they weren't already off they really fell off and within a mat within a matter of of months i essentially lost everything including my my family i was a young dad at the time and uh, my hockey career and uh, eventually it it turned me into uh, a full-blown addict of every street drug you can imagine heroin crack crystal meth i was doing it all um 2014 i was i was homeless on the streets in vancouver downtown east side where i spent close to a year um and you can imagine when you're that desperate um things are are not in a in a good place and it's you know i was something that i really have paid attention to and something that's very clear to me and it's not like i made this up i've heard this from, from so many people is that you are the average of the five people you hang out with the most and that's right 
I, I can attest to that from everywhere that I've gone, whether it be minor hockey, junior hockey, pro hockey, in rehab, homelessness, being a drug addict. It, it, it eventually, the people you hang out with, the things that they're doing, you will do. And that's what happened and um, started, you know, I had no money, nowhere to live, no, no friends, no family supporting me anymore. Uh, I should say that, like, I went to rehab, like, many, many times um, to no avail and um, just felt like I was never going to to get through it or get over it. So I'd kind of given up at this point and started to commit petty crimes to to get my fix on a daily basis. And pretty soon the former pro hockey player was now on the cover of Crime Stoppers in Vancouver. And, um, you know, I remember being a little boy watching the watching TV and a Crime Stopper commercial comes on and they're looking for somebody and I'm yeah. hiding under the blankets. I'm like, holy shit, yeah. this guy's coming, this guy's coming to get me, right? Like, and yeah. now, and now, and now that was me. And, um, you know, that was, you know, at the time, I, I don't know if it was that hard because I was just so mentally distraught and addicted, but I ended up getting picked up and, and sentenced uh, to a couple years in jail. So again, not like I was just in there for a night or a week. It was a couple of years. And if you've seen any TV or movies about what it's like, it's pretty damn close um, to, to what it's like. And when I got sentenced to jail, it was front page news of the Vancouver Sun and Province, which is the biggest newspaper in Vancouver. And, um, you know, it was pretty embarrassing, but from the jail standpoint, it's not like, I can look back at this stuff and laugh now cause I'm not there, but it actually, I'm sure as you guys know, uh, hockey players get a little bit of special treatment. It's no different in jail. All the the real gangsters and stuff, they were like, oh, they thought it was like cool that I was a hockey player. So they started to take care of me more. And, um, you know, I just, you know, in there it's survival, right? So you just, you got to do, do things and say things and act a certain way. And I learned how to do that real quick. And um, it was hard being in there though. And uh, I spent a total of three just under three years of my life I've spent in jail and like, wow, jeez, right? Like that's a long time and that's time that I'll never time. get time that I'll never get back. But, um, you know, with the work that I'm doing here today and we'll get into that, I'm very, it sounds crazy to say this, but I'm very grateful that I went through what I went through. I'm so grateful that I was homeless. So grateful that I went to jail because it gave me a totally different perspective on what people are dealing with. Um, you know, while I was in jail, I helped a couple people graduate with their GED, right? Like some guys that couldn't even write their own name. Um, and, and it just made me realize like, okay, I went through some shit when I was a kid, but these, these guys that I met in there, some of them, they went through more in an hour than I ever did in my entire life. And it just yeah. gave me a, a, a real good understanding, um, and perspective on, on, on just what, what people are dealing with and, and sort of you know, from a homelessness standpoint, from a jail standpoint, what services are available, what services aren't available. Like, this is the kind of the work that I want to be doing in the future. Like right now, I'm really into, into hockey and I will always be. I'm coaching and doing things. But my heart, I have a very big um, sense and a call to to help people who are homeless and people who are in jail when they're getting out because you get out to, I, it happened to me, you get out to nothing, um, nothing with, yeah. nowhere, with nowhere to go, with no plan. And I saw the same people. And I mean, it happened to me too, where they would get out, you know, they've been in for six months and then it's like, they're getting out, they're going to, you know, get their life back on track, but then they get out to nothing. And I see them in three days, they're back in jail. And, back in jail, and yeah. 
right? And and it just it, it's such a crazy cycle that people get caught in. But anyways, that's maybe for another day. I got out of jail and um, the last time and to sit here and say that I just turned my life around overnight would be a lie. Like I, I struggled for a few months, like from no, November to like February, November, 2019 to February, 2020, I fell back into, into my kind of old ways of, of using and, and things, but um, something changed. I knew I found out I was going to be a dad again. And I, and I just, I thought to myself, if there's one reason for me to try one more time to get my life back, then it's, then this is it. I, I don't want to, you know, I have a couple kids that I, you know, let down and, and still, as we're sitting here today, I'm still trying to repair those relationships. They're older now, they're 15 and 16. It's, it's a really hard thing for them to deal with. Um, but I knew that I didn't want to, I didn't want to do that again. And so um, the Swift Current Broncos actually sent me a pair of skates the first time I got out of jail and um, with like a letter that said, Hey, forget about your old life, get back on the ice. This isn't who you are, right? Like, wow get back on the ice. And uh, I, I think it's kind of, I got to share the whole story. So while I was in jail, somebody, <laughs> somebody got a hold of these skates and pawned them. And this is no joke, put them in a pawn no shop. Way. So now I get out of jail and I'm like, go to back to my, uh, my friend's house where I was staying before where all my stuff was. I'm like, like, where's my skates? Like, that's all I want because I got this this brief moment, it had been almost 10 years since I had skates on. But when I got out of jail, found out I was going to be a dad again. I got this, like, I was living in Muskoka. There's frozen lakes everywhere. I kept passing them every day. I'm like, I'm going to get my skates back on. I thought I never would. But so I go get my skates and they're like, the guys like, oh, somebody put them in the pawn shop. So I had no money at the time. I was on, I was on welfare, guys. Like I was on welfare for a while. Even when you first came on my show, Coats, like maybe even the second time I was still on welfare, right? Like not like that's where I was at. And um, I had no money, but my friend was like, hey, I got you. We're going to go there. I'm going to pay for them. We're going to get them out. And like, I shit you not, I walked up to the pawn shop and there's like a glass front window and there's a Bauer box, right? And these were custom like white tongues, like like they got them <laughs> the way that I, I liked them. And there's one skate out, one skate in the box, and they're in the window, right? And I can see on the sticker, like they have my name on them, right? Because of like from the Bauer <laughs> thing. And I'm like, yeah, I go in there. I'm like, how much, how much for the skates in the window? And they were like twelve hundred dollars skates, Bauer APX or whatever they were back in the day. And um the guy's like 75 bucks in their ears. <laughs> and he's like, there's now, whether this is true or not, he's like, there was a lady in here yesterday who said she was going to be coming back to get them for her, her husband if they fit and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, forget it. They're mine. And I uh, went home, put my skates on for the first time in 10 years. And while I was skating, I um, kind of got this sense that maybe my story could help just one person, right? Like I had no money. I had no friends. I had no social media. Um, I didn't own a computer. I didn't have anything, but I thought maybe I could share my story, but how am I going to do that? And that's where I kind of got the idea to start a podcast. And like, if you listen to the first episode, even the first few, even maybe now they're pretty rough. That first episode, I, I borrowed somebody's car to sit in the car and their computer and and sat in the car and recorded that first episode and just kind of decided that you know what i'm going to be i'm going to be vulnerable i'm going to share my story and right in around that time i picked up the phone 
Um, and I called, uh, called around, found a therapist that was willing to take me on through the government assistance program and all that. And uh, I got honest. I, I told her about, you know, what happened to me when I was a kid. That was the first person that I really told. And, wow. and, and, from, and from there, I, I started to heal and I'm still healing. But it gave me, it gave me a lot of like strength to, to really share my story. And so through doing that, guys, I'm going to let you guys hop in here in a minute. I found out very, very quickly that... I'm not the only hockey player that was really struggling or had really struggled with mental health and addiction and come to find out my roommate from Norfolk died of an overdose. My coach, my first year pro who I was in rehab with Quentin Van Horlick, you know, intentionally took his own life by overdose. Um, and, and I just started to uncover stories one after the other. And as we're sitting here today, as of uh, just heard of another one, sadly, two days ago, I'm aware of 116 hockey players that have either passed away by suicide or overdose. And, um, and I really That's wanted crazy. to do some, yeah, I really wanted to do something um, in their honor. And, and so I wanted to start an organization. So we have a nonprofit organization that we're slowly getting off the, the ground called the Puck Support Network that's really geared towards helping hockey players and hockey families um, who may be struggling, but also trying to be proactive and in, in getting the tools and the information in, in the hands of parents and, and young hockey players that the information that I didn't have and that Mitch Fadden, who's no longer here, didn't have. And and just to know that there's support. And so that's a slow process, but um, that's sort of kind of where it all started. And over the last four years, I've just been slowly piecing my life back together. Wow. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. We appreciate you sharing that, man. It's, yeah. it's I know it's heavy. Um, and for the listeners, uh, you know, we're, you know, the show is generally lighter, but you know, the reality is, is we, we have to have stories like these to, to be real, you know, and yeah. we've had some guys on that have had their struggles and, you know, you know, a bunch of these guys and, um, but you know, to hear it, you know, hear your story like that is, uh, is, uh, yeah, you think you're having a bad day sometimes, you know, <laughs> yeah, I you, know, right. You know, you, we, we've known about your story, but for our listeners that don't, it's, it's huge, you know, and, you know, even parents paying attention to their kids, you know, asking questions and maybe, maybe that was happening for you. But like you said, you were, you were keeping it inside. Um, I did have one question about, uh, you said your last year, you had a really good year where you, uh, you were still like partying though, but you were just, yeah, no, just, see, were, it was, it was interesting. So like I went to Kelowna, I showed up hungover. Dean Chanel drove me to the Calgary airport. He actually called me. He's like, don't come to practice today. We played two games and I was heading to practice. It was after, you know, day, day, night, day after a game or whatever. He called me. He's like, don't, don't come to practice. We've traded you, but I can't tell you where yet. I'll tell you on the way. And I'm like, oh shit, like, where am I going? Right. Um, yeah. He's like, I got, I got a general manager's meeting in Calgary. So I'm going to drive you to the Calgary airport. So now I got to be in the car with Dean for like five hours, uh, <laughs> you know, to the airport and the whole way he's not telling me. And he, you know, he, he dropped me off at the airport. He, he's like, as I'm opening the door, he's like, you've been traded to the Kelowna Rockets. Now get the fuck out of my car. I'll see you in January. I'm like, oh, thanks. Right. <laughs> and I remember, I remember he was like nice about it. He's like joking. Like he's a great, he was yeah. always so great to me. Um, he, uh, so I went in the hotel and I remember like I cleaned out the mini bar fridge, like just cleaned it out. Like I was two sheets to the wind by myself, flying to Kelowna hungover, Jeff Finley, 
uh, former NHL D-man picks me up because he's assistant coach. And I'm like, I just remember feeling like garbage. And I'm thinking to myself, like, why? Like, why do you do this to yourself, right? He's like, we got to get you to the rink. And Kelowna is a lot different than Swift. So there's TV cameras and reporters. And I've got to do these interviews. And I'm like, shit, do I smell like booze? Like, get there, find out they already have three 20-year-olds. One's the captain who's from Kelowna, so he's not going anywhere. One's the goalie who took them to the Mem Cup when he was 17. He's not going anywhere. And the third one was Mark Messier's kid. So I'm like, holy shit, like, where am I, where am I fitting into the lineup? Oh, and I'm, and I come up and I come in and I'm not in a good spot. And I remember I went on the ice, I had to get all new gear, the whole thing. And, and, uh, the kids had a day off and by kids, I mean the young kids on the team were 16, 17 year old. It's like a pro D day or whatever on a Friday. And the goalie coach was there. He's like, how do you, he's like, you want to go out early and kind of get new, uh, used to your gear? Huska, Ryan Huska was the coach. And he's like, I'm like, sure. Like, what am I going to say? No, I don't really want to, but I can't say no. So I go yeah. out there. It's Tyson, <laughs> it's Tyson Berry, Tyler Myers, Luke Shen, Jamie Ben, like, I'm just like, and these are the young guys on the team. And I'm thinking to myself, like, holy shit, like, what the hell's going on here? I didn't even really know who any of them were. I remember calling my dad, like, who the hell's Tyson Berry, the 16-year-old? Like, he's unbelievable. And uh, the, the reason why I bring that up is because, no, I didn't really drink that year, right? I realized that we had a really special group of, of young players, and they ended up going to the Mem Cup the year after. Um but I thought, you know what, I got together with the older guys on the team and, and we made a real like conscious decision that we were going to treat everybody as equals on this team and where there's going to be no pressuring for anybody to drink or, you know, anything like that. And, and it didn't happen. And I think I drank maybe two or three times the entire year, which is more than I wow. would have liked to. But in, instead of like five nights a week in Swift Current, um, I, I was just, I loved going to the mm -hmm. rink. I, I felt like we were a team. I, I felt like I had something to play for, which was them, um, you know, not myself. And um, yeah, I just had a had a really, really fun year and uh, wish I could go back and spend one more day in Kelowna and just soak up all that time because it, it was a really, really great experience. Wow. Nice. I gotta say, Cloner is a little different animal than Swifty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, the crush, the crush can. And I think that that Clona barn was so, somewhat new at that time, right? I mean, it yeah, was oh, uh, yeah. some bit fresh, but Clona, obviously, as a city, <laughs> a little more looking forward to than a Swifty, Well, I grew but, up. Uh, I grew up up there in the summertime, just outside of Kelowna. My dad's got a place on Okanagan Lake, and. It was sort of like familiar and um, got to play at home a little bit more and, and my family was able to visit. But I'll tell you, it was just about knowing that, you know, the guys in the room, like we we all felt like we were equal and um, and it was just an it was just an enjoyable place to go to every day, which can be the, the world of difference, whether you're walking into an office, a hockey dressing room or wherever you are in this world, if people are working together and treating each other with kindness and supporting one another, it, it can it can really make or break somebody. Some people that might not affect them too much, but for somebody like me, that can make the world of difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah no doubt. And let me ask you this, uh, Brady. Um, like you, you know, you mentioned like you you kept your traumas, you know, deep down within for well until you're out of jail. So that's you know most of your life. Um, and I know you wouldn't change it for the world because you, you know, you wouldn't be, you know, be here today alive and well and doing all this great work. Had you not gone through, I mean, literally hell and back, like, but for the, like the young listeners or the parents of the listeners, you know, on the pod here, like how important is it to be vulnerable? You know, yes, you're being vulnerable now, but like, 
if you could go back in time in a different lifetime and, and give some advice, like how important is it to tell these young kids, like if you're going through shit, like, and you're hanging on to something so deep, like how important it is to bring it to the surface and actually talk and get some help. Because I mean, no one deserves or needs to go down that dark, right. To, to find themselves in you, you, you've, you've done it. It's almost like you've sacrificed yourself to be able to be doing this work here now. But like, you know, we don't want these younger guys to go down, you know, and the trauma nope. is the root of you know, most addiction and substance yeah. abuse. So like, could we get ahead of this? How, how could we help navigate this moving forward for some of these young guys dealing with issues? Well, I have a, a saying that is even on, we have a, I have a clothing line as well that, you know, one of the sayings is vulnerability is strength. And, mm -hmm. you know, you're right. I wouldn't cha change anything. Um, but the reality is this, most people don't make it out of what I went through. Right. Um, I had more overdoses than I can even remember, um, more suicide attempts and more months in the psych ward. And, and like most people just don't make it out of, out of what I, what I've come through. And I, and I realize that, um, I will say this, that regardless of what you're going through, regardless of what it is, I promise you that there's somebody, there's mo way more people in this world than you could ever believe that have gone through or going through similar things. Like you are not alone. You are never alone in this, though it may feel like you are. Um, but somebody told me like early on when I was first, like my first kind of time in, in rehab, let and they said, like, this is a progressive disease. Like, it will only get worse. And I'm like, eh, like, okay. Like, it's pretty bad now, but I got a handle on this. There's no way it can get any worse. Let me tell you, it only gets worse. If you don't, um, if, if you're not willing to to address it and, and start to help yourself, um, it will get worse. And for, for me, like, vulnerability is what saved my life. Um, it... it yeah instantaneously took the world off my shoulders, so to speak. Um, it doesn't mean that because I told that therapist and because I go around and I talk about the things that I've gone through and I've sat here and told you what happened to me, that doesn't mean that I'm 100% healed and that I'm not still hurting on some days. That's not what this means. But what it means is that I'm now in the process of healing and it also has like it keeps me it keeps me accountable by people knowing what's going on with me it, it sets me up for a, a way higher rate of success in recovery um and, and that's for anybody i i only talk about me because i can only share my story i don't like to say you or i just say me and i hope that by me talking about my story that people can take pieces and relate it to to their own and that's sort of what i've seen over the over the past almost four years is you know, I didn't have any following or anything, but as that started to grow, I started to get inundated with like thousands of messages from people across the world that would usually start something like this. Hey, Brady, I really just want to say thank you for what you're doing and your vulnerability. Um, you know, you don't know me. I've never told anybody this before, but, and then it will be any number of things. And, and what that shows me is that they see 
somebody else who is vulnerable and somebody else who is going through it. And now all of a sudden they don't feel alone. They feel a little bit taller, a little bit stronger, a little bit more courage in there to, to share their story. And that doesn't mean that you have to get in front of 500 people and tell your story. What me, what it means is like talking through, like being able to talk. And if you have to cry, cry, right? If you have to get angry sometimes, like get angry, like move through, the, move through those emotions, allow them, you know, allow yourself to feel that, allow somebody else to help you navigate that. And, and for me, that's sort of been at, at, that was at the beginning and still now, that's sort of how I run my life is I carry the message on a daily, you talk about banging the drum daily. There is some part of it that, you know, obviously helps me, but I know by doing that, it's helping somebody else. And I feel a great responsibility um, because I've lived through it. I've lost friends, more friends than like a lot of friends, hockey players and non-hockey players who have gone through things like I have, who are no longer here. Like I feel a great responsibility to share because I, I see the power that that my story or anybody's story has when we're willing to get vulnerable. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, it's a powerful thing. I mean, I, I have my own experience with being vulnerable too. And, you know, yeah. it makes my story look like, uh, you know, like a, like a, a Disney show. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, you I want to interrupt like... you for a sec. I want to interrupt <laughs> you for a second. So I get this all the time, right? It's like, well, Brady, I didn't go through what you went through. Or it's like, people, we want to compare all the time. And this mm. is sort of like, this is sort of what I was talking about earlier when, I use the example of like being in swift current and, you know, the rookies getting some hazing or whatever, this person might handle it differently than this person because this person's dealt with different things. Their perspective is different just because, mm -hmm. you know, it looks like somebody might've gone through something more than you or whatever. Like one, we shouldn't be comparing, but two, right. Of course your pain doesn't could be more significant than mine, even though my situation may look maybe a little bit more challenging to go through, right? It's all it's all an individual's perspective. So I you know, yeah. I, I get I get where you're going with that, but at the same time I think yeah. it's important for us to remember that like we all have our own story and we all deal with it differently. So like comparing stories and that, it's it's not it's not it's not really the the best way to for me anyways to approach it i'm always like hey you went through something your feelings are valid like totally 100 yes. right so yeah sorry and I, and I, and off, I, and I, no and i and i fully agree and i was kind of just making a joke more than anything mm -hmm. like I, mm -hmm. I agree with you fully like, i don't like to compare trauma to trauma because it's exactly what you just said pain is pain and it doesn't have to look like a Hollywood movie to yeah. to validate the pain, you know, physical, emotional, spiritual. I mean, so yeah, I, I, and I agree with you fully. I'm not certainly not disputing it. It was more of a yeah. joke, you know. Like, I know. It's <laughs> I like, know you, you were joking. I just had yeah. to. I had to. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate you saying that because it is important to not compare. Yeah, for sure. And Brady, you have a pretty cool thing coming up here. Uh, I believe it's January 20th, Hockey Day in Canada. If you want to tell us a little bit about a uh, little bit about that, sorry. Yeah, it's um again, I sorry for talking so much here. You guys have only asked <laughs> hey, three, that's what you're three, on here for, man. Three, three questions and we're almost an hour <laughs> in. And by the way, I got lots of time. I don't know how much time we have, but I'm I got all day for you guys. Um so yeah, like January 20th, hockey day in Canada, they're gonna be sharing my story and something that has been 
a very powerful tool for me is is manifestation and some people are stronger believers in it than others i'll just say and let me tell you i was a little bit skeptical but over the last four years i've manifested more things in my life than than i even care to tell people because they'll be like ah you're lying or whatever but it's an extremely powerful tool and leading into the hockey day in canada story it was the very first saturday of the year um here in canada first night first broadcast of hockey night in canada for the 2024 2025 season or 2023 2024 season and i was just about to you know walk outside to grab something from my car and i had my my ipad watching one of the games and i was just about to walk out the door and i looked back at my girlfriend on the and i'm like i'm gonna be on hockey night in canada i said i don't know how but i'm gonna be on hockey night in canada and she's like okay <laughs> and not even <laughs> not but like she's she's seen it i did the same i've done the same thing with her so many times even like manifesting coaching with sam gagne and, and maybe we'll i'm going to touch on that here in a second but manifested mm -hmm. before it even came true and i said that and two days later i got a message in, in from on instagram from a producer from sportsnet and hockey night canada saying hey brady been following you for a long time and i'd really like to share your story on hockey day in canada this year not even two days wow. later out of the blue um it's crazy and, and so so i'm like sitting beside her i'm like i'm like thinking like okay hey, this is like a like kind of a fake account he doesn't have a ton of followers this guy because he's a producer he's not a social media guy i'm like is this real you know and next thing you know we're hopping on a call and he's like we want to want to come film you we're going to fly you out to edmonton to go see sam gagne because he's been a big part of my story he gave me a really great opportunity two years ago um to to start coaching well i'd already been doing some coaching but to to really get in with with some of the best players in the game today and um you know and i was given that opportunity and i kind of sort of just have run with it and, and something that i'm very grateful for and that i take a lot of pride in is is being a part of muskoka hockey which is um it started but founded by Sam Gagne here in Muskoka, where a lot of the NHL players uh, come to reside in the summertime. It's a little bit of a Canadian paradise uh, where I live. And, um, and, and yeah, and so he's going to be featured in the story. And and really, it's just uh, kind of like I told you here today of, of sharing some of the darkness, but also hopefully people can can see the light and, and hopefully it gives, you know, just my goal is always just help one person. When I wake up in the morning, that's my goal. That was my goal when I first started sharing my story. And I don't think that'll ever change. It's just one person at a time. And, um, you know, if this story can help one person, then I think it's going to be a huge success. Awesome. Yeah. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, I'm happy for you. Cause you know, like it's like the manifestation is real. You know, it's, yeah. I, I think the whole world of manifestation is, is missing, mis, uh, misunderstood. I mean, the reality is, is, whether you were aware of it or not, you were manifesting your manifesting your hell too, you know, yeah. uh, yeah. by, by, you know, the lack of awareness and the, what you were attracting. Right. And now you're attracting yeah. the positive because you're, you got your mind, right. Yeah. And you got your, you're surrounding yourself with positive people that support you. You're doing all the right things and your life naturally changes. So I'm, I'm so happy be, for you because I got to I can't wait to see it and see how this thing ripples. You. you have to be very, cautious about what you say what you watch what you listen to i remember 
um, like I skipped through a lot of parts of my story, but from 2012 to 2020, I like I was an IV drug user, right? Like it, it wasn't good. I remember being in the sixth or seventh grade and I remember saying like with a group of my buddies, I remember looking down at my arms and I had a bunch of veins and I said to them, I'm like, you know, I'd make a real good drug addict. Like I remember saying that, right? Jeez. And 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 needless to say, and I'm not blaming me saying that, but it's like I put that out there at an early age and and you know there's more instances like that but it, it is I it, you know I think it's something that I'm really trying to tap into of of yes manifesting but just being very conscious about you know how I'm spending my time and who I'm with and what I'm watching what I'm listening to and um, still have a long ways to go with that but it there's there's a lot more to it um, than than I think we'll ever understand um, but being able to to be open um and just sort of which something that something that i really wasn't i was always so closed off because that's sort of how i dealt with things my whole entire life was like yeah i'm not gonna let anybody in i don't believe in anything i'm just gonna worry about me and um you know the this whole thing this story on hockey day in canada and my journey over the last four years like yes it's centralized around me but i've never cared for it to be about me it's always the hope of it being so much more than just my story it's it's the hope that people because i know people can relate to it i know there's people out there who like me for so long have yet to find their voice and 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 finding my voice was what saved my life right being able yeah. to to come forward and talk and and obviously i do it to uh to a pretty broad audience but that's not how it started um it was just about feeling like hey if one now at least one person knows the truth and it's not me i don't feel like i'm fighting this alone and i just yeah. can't reiterate that enough that that was really a game-changing moment for me amazing sure. i know you've been tr trying to get a hold of uh sam you were trying to get yeah yeah, show, gags. So. yeah so i had gags here in philly uh the one year uh years back uh great guy man i used to laugh they they were the uh, sam and like uh jake voracek more, more of the skilled guys were literally the one day we're talking about their fights and what their records were. They all uh, got yeah, like right. five fights, <laughs> yeah, right? right? Like in Unless the league. Like yours, probably. But the gags fight, like he, uh, yeah, he gets yeah. pissed off that he'll chuck them, but it was just so funny. And G was in, uh, Claude Giroux was in a conversation. They're literally on hockeyfights.com doing their ratings to see if they won the fight. And I just, I just thought it was so fucking funny. Oh yeah. With gags. Like he's like, I'm, I'm the toughest guy in here, you know, like yeah. it, it was pretty good, but he's a great guy. Yeah. He's, he's been now, uh, we've been trying to find time with the schedule. It's so crazy to, to fit him in, but he wants to jump on with us as well. And I've, uh, I follow you. So I've, I've seen you guys are buddies. That's really cool, man. Uh, yeah, it was awesome. just him and I have become uh, very, very close. Like we talk pretty much every single day and, um, try to help him as much as I can from, you know, he hasn't, you know, had any sort of struggles like me, but he's, you know, like anybody, I think it's nice to have somebody to, uh, to be there to encourage you and support you. And that's what I've tried to do for him. And, you know, he's, um, he had double hip surgery, uh, last spring and it was basically me and him all summer long, you know, I was helping him get back. And there was a, you know, I just played a small part. It was all him and, and the doctors and the therapists, but the on ice stuff, you know, 90% of it was, was me and him. And, um, it was a great honor to, to help him get back. And when I flew out to Edmonton as part of the story, he, you know, of course he scored in that game and, um, yeah. it was, it was, uh, it was really, really cool. And, uh, you know, that was to me as, 
about as close as I'm going to get to scoring a goal in the NHL to help him come back from that injury. A lot of people had counted him out and um, he's had a, a tremendous amount of success. Unfortunately, right now going through some some injuries. Um, I don't want to say what, but uh, you know how everything's such a secret in hockey, but yeah. he's been out He's been out since before Christmas and I know he's uh, got a pretty big day today getting some things checked out. So hopefully uh, we can see him back in the lineup soon and uh yeah, uh, the Oilers they were struggling out the gate, but uh, they're looking pretty good right now. And um, yeah. I'm manifest I'm manifesting a Stanley Cup in Muskoka in the summertime. That'll be uh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that, that's it. So um, again, like uh, you know, I'm more of a fan of the game today and more of a student of the game today than I've ever been. Um, hindsight's always twenty twenty, but my my kind of goal is to just continually get better as a as a coach and this is something that i really want to try to see how far i can take it and and have the goal of one day um you know being in the nhl as a, a development guy and then hopefully maybe yeah. eventually later on in life as uh maybe an assistant or a head coach obviously I have a long ways to go before that but um this is this is how i want to spend my time and i i believe that um, you know, I, I know more about hockey now than I ever have. I still have a long ways to go, but I think there's that added piece of having a guy like me around who, who is relatable and 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 is real. And um, you know, I, I mentor quite a few different hockey players from NHL players who don't feel comfortable talking to their own team staff, whoever that may be, um, and a lot of uh, players who play in the WHL, OHL, especially that um, that'll reach out to me from time to time and. And whenever they may be going through something and uh, lived experience is something that you just can't replace in my books. Uh, you can read about it. You can have a professional. But if they haven't lived it and they haven't done it, for me, it's very hard to relate to. And so, um, yeah, I just like, guys, I can't reiterate enough how grateful I am to be a part of this game, right? Like, yeah. reflecting back to even five years old you know from being homeless in jail talking to people who never like never even had a chance to play hockey like their parents didn't even watch them would have never even taken them to public skating let alone get them into hockey like those are the people that i met along my ways and it, and it you know when i was in it i took it so for granted oh poor me i gotta go to practice today oh i'm tired like uh i want to leave the rink right now and it's like shit, man you don't know what you have until it's gone and um I'm, I'm more indebted to the game and the people in it like sam and and so many others who have rallied around me and and supported me and uh i just feel like that's sort of how i want to live my life is i want to i want to do this continue to do the same and help people both on and off the ice as much as i can well yeah. the work you do is it's truly amazing yeah. i mean it's you know I, I i don't know how else to say it. it it really is and the help that you're providing for younger and older you know guys playing and not playing you know not even a hockey player you know sees your story and um it's just great man yeah no well, for sure your, your your future is bright dude like yes. you know like like to, to to have known you for how many years it's been now and you know again you were just you were just kind of like coming into your own and finding yourself and to see you now and you know, like 50,000 followers on Instagram, like not that it's about the numbers, but like, just like, it just shows your resilience and it shows your want to live and help and, and just be a part of the solution is just like incredible. And, and like all those dreams you said, it's, it comes with, you know, you talked about it in the manifestation process, self-talk. It's it starts with the thought, the self-talk and, and then, the, and then, and then it just evolves. Like, 
there's no question you're going to find your way to the NHL. You know, it's like, and in some way, shape, or form, like you're doing all the right things. You're surrounding yourself with the right people, the right thoughts. Um, you know, I'd like to think that this Hockey Day in Canada thing is just going to open up oh, yeah. more more opportunities uh, with speaking, uh, opportunities and organizations. Someone that hasn't heard your story is going to hear it. Um, you know, I've known it. You know, we've known it, but like, there's a there's a million people that haven't heard it, and this is yeah. it's going to be a nice ripple. And I know, and I know, it's not about you, but you're the vessel. You know, you are a vessel, and it's going to help you do your work. You know, helping more people and uh, being of service in the game of hockey. That's you know, giving you you know this experience to be able to do this work. So, I mean. It's exciting, man. You should be pumped, and I yeah. know you are. Yeah, really. no, it is like, exciting. Sure I, uh, it's, 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 this is like this is awesome for you, man. I'm like so I, pumped to see a smile like that. And I cried, I cried my eyes out. I'll be honest, a few times. But when I first got that message, I uh, I hopped in the car and and uh, and went for a drive, and um, yeah, I just let it out. And you know, again, it, it's been a real, real long road to get here. There were many times over the last four years where it felt like maybe this is a losing battle um, for myself and for the cause. And um, it just seems like any time that maybe I've had a, some some downs or whatever downtime or kind of falling back into that negative uh, trap in my mind there's there's a there's an opportunity that comes that it's like a greater plans at work to say hey like just stick with it be patient um that's something that I've really had to learn over the last few years like is be patient I've been a instant gratification guy my whole life um you know through addiction through just the way that I am and and just learning how to trust the process and to just continually do the next right thing and and to keep battling um you know like it's been a it's been a grind like i you know i was on like i said welfare for the first two years of of doing this and um you know obviously not now and i'm in a much better place today um but yeah you know i i just i'm living proof that that people can change people can start to heal people can recover and i really hope that my story can can help can, can help a lot of people but if we can help the young the, the youth especially just to to really stop and think about the choices that they're making and the effect that it can have um, because I felt you know invincible um, untouchable and uh, I was showing very quickly that this can and will affect anybody especially if you open that door even just a little bit and um, you know I've been very very blessed that I've been able to travel around Canada um, and share my story predominantly with hockey teams, junior teams, uh, academy and prep schools, high schools as well. Even some big corporations have had me come in and um, and I've always got a, a great response. And I'm not the best speaker. I'm not the smartest guy. I certainly don't have all the answers. Um, but sometimes, you know, nobody does. And But sometimes it's just about being real, being authentic. And, and when people can relate to that, um, at least the, the things that I've seen is it, it can really pull them out of their shell. And, um, and if we can, if we can just save one life, one life, which I get messages almost on the daily of people saying that to me, um, you know, where, you know, I've helped them or whatever, like to me, everything that I've gone through has been worth it. I never want to go through it again, but everything that I've gone through has been worth it. And um, just really grateful to the game of hockey and the people in it, because if I didn't have, 
if I didn't have that, uh, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that I, I wouldn't be here today. Yeah, no, you're, you're hundred percent right. And, uh, it just it really just just shifts perspective when you, you hear your story and just like how real how real it is and how close a lot of these guys that seem like they got it all together if we're not telling if you're not talking about it being vulnerable we don't know what guys are going through right and I think you know essence of your a big part of your message is like man you gotta you know it's like we can't assume that you're well you know we, yeah. if if you're not you know ask for help and how important that is and and realizing when you do how many people there is waiting to help you and wanting to help yeah. you like i see some of the people you know, former players and guys that are coming out of the woodworks helping you had you kept it quiet not being vulnerable no one could ever come and help you and you know i think that's, that's right. the, the the key here and it's just going to keep growing so the yeah. message i mean like it's, it sounds like to the young people like like open up you know be, be vulnerable ask for help and there's always going to be a support system there but they're not going to know unless you ask yeah and parents i have a message for parents too because so much of the focus is always on like the kids or whatever but if you're a parent and you recognize that something is off with your son or daughter right trust your instinct Right. I, I always just played it like my dad. I wouldn't really let him in. But like I talk to him now, like he knew, but he didn't know how to to deal with that. Right. Like he didn't know how because I would keep pushing him away or whatever. But like if you're a parent, like you know best. Like if you recognize something, you're always better on the side of airing precaution. You're not there to be their friend. You're be that you're there to be their parent. Um and and uh you know, it just parents like get ahead of this stuff like talk to your kids about drugs alcohol mental health like be open with that in your household and really set a good example because so often parent kids are going to follow kind of in your the footsteps of the example that you lead and you know i you know i don't drink i you know i i use plant medicines and some people can argue that that's not the best way but you know i'm i've tried every pharmaceutical known to man for depression anxiety uh, addiction whatever and i've you know it's it's none of them have helped me maybe temporarily they they will zonk me out <laughs> and, and to me yeah. that's not the, that's not what i'm looking for um but yeah i don't know where i'm going with this it's just that you know, I, I feel like very confident where I'm at in my recovery. And I know some people will will look at it because it's, it's quote unquote unconventional. Um, but I'm I'm literally thriving at a level that I've never been at in my life. And, you know, I'm doing everything I can just to make that right next decision. And really that ultimately comes down like, what's the next right decision for me, right? So often I was trying to, to act a certain way or do something or partake in certain events to be accepted by a group or a team or my friends or whatever. And ultimately it comes back to like paying attention. Like if you listen to your intuition, at least yeah. for me, it knows, like we know, we know a lot more than, than maybe we give ourselves credit to. It's just about can you tap into that and can you really listen and then take action on that? Because sometimes it's not easy, right? You get the hard answers and it's like, ah, I don't know if that's, it's easier just to go down the path of least resistance. But if you really want to change and you really want to make a difference in your life, well, start to pay attention and, and start to take action and, and don't always look for that path of least resistance. Because let me tell you, it's going to be challenging, but nothing's as hard as living in the hell um, that, 
that is mental illness or addiction that goes untreated or trauma, um, trying to do it by yourself. Like that is hell on earth. And um, yeah, so that's kind of, I don't know where I'm going with that, but I'll keep talking if you don't cut me off. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that, was well, that was well said. Yeah, well, that said, was well said, man. I, we, we, we just can't thank you enough, Brady. Like uh, I'm excited about this. And yeah, our, I can't our listeners to, that haven't heard your story to hear it. Um, truly amazing. God bless you, man. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thank, thank you. And I'm really grateful. I'm a big fan of the show and been watching from afar for 142 episodes now. <laughs> and, um, and really, um, you know, feel, feel very lucky to be on your show and, um, you know, keep up the good work. And are you guys living in, you guys both in Philly or like, where are you guys? He's just in Delaware. I'm just over the bridge in Voorhees, right near the Flyers practice facility. So we're, okay. we're fairly close. Yeah. Yeah. All right. yeah. All right. So how's the state of the Philadelphia Flyers, you think? I got to ask you. Where are we at? Because they're well, surprising some people, right? Yeah. They've definitely – they are a hard team to play against, is yep. what, which is what we needed and what they want. Um, obviously, you alluded to earlier we were talking, I think, before uh, we started uh, the whole cutter go chase situation yeah. just happened and went down so it's shit everywhere um but uh flyers are playing hard they're playing well i don't know if you know we'll see what happens here it's but gonna be a grind for a playoff grind. spot but they're on the right uh they're on the, the right course of, of action with the team you know i think with jonesy and briere coming in and kind of they say re recreating the flyers culture to some degree you know torts i think is a, is the guy for the for the rebuild yeah. right now they're buying in they're playing hard um, so it's trending in the right direction. You got some, you know, some draft picks coming down the, the, the pipeline here that will yep. certainly help. Uh, um, you'd mentioned before we got on that you, uh, did you train or work out with, uh, Drysdale? The, the newest yeah, we had, the flyers there? yeah. So we had, um, over the course of the summer, we had close to 40 full-time NHL guys come through at different times. Some were full-time, some were for a week or two weeks. And we had, we had Jamie come through. I think he was here for a week when we had the Wasserman camp. Um, just a just a phenomenal young man and a great talent. He's unfortunately had some injuries, but if he can stay healthy, I think he's going to be a, a very, very nice addition to that blue line. He skates extremely well. He's so mobile on the blue line, extremely hard to defend. Um, and, uh, you know, I really think he's just starting to to find his way and, and probably will still be a couple years likely from his prime. Uh, but I, I think... I think he's going to fit in really nicely there. Um, we also, um, I'm trying to think of who else we had from the Flyers organization. Um, we had somebody else, but I can't, I can't remember who it was, but I think he's in the minors. Um, yeah. Victor Mete. Metz was with us. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah Metz, Metz was with us for a couple of weeks too. Hopefully maybe he can get a, get it, get a call up, but I'm not sure that the Jamie Drysdale acquisition is any good for him, but, but, but another, another great, another great young kid, but I, I think Philly's going to be happy with, with getting JD back. And ultimately when somebody doesn't want to play for your organization, then, you know, let them, let them go um, and, and bring yep. somebody in that wants to be there. And um, yeah, the flyers are surprising a lot of people. And I mean, I can't imagine what it's like to play for torts, but he's uh, he is the epitome of what I believe to be a Philadelphia flyer mentality and, yeah. and the way that way to go. So yeah, that's yeah. Oh, I will say last, last cool thing, a little, uh, because we're talking Philly, um, so last year, and it was just released, they came out with a Borier Salming um, mini series. I don't know if you guys have seen this at all. 
Um, but I got to play Bobby Clark in the movie. I'm only on screen for like a second. They cut my hair and shaved my mustache for nothing. But uh, it, was, it, was, it was it was like literally one second I was on screen for. But I'm going to try to see if I can quickly fire up a picture because it was really, really cool. And, you, and we'll see what Flyers... Flyers Nation thinks of my best Bobby Clark impression here. It's uh, I got I got it. It was it was honestly really cool because all my teeth come out right. So yeah, um, they let me see here. We got the Philly. I did see a, a sneak peek of it on your I think you're on your Instagram there. I didn't know oh, what it was did. or what you were doing what you're doing, but uh, yeah, it looked pretty. It pretty was spot uh, on. It was good. It was, it was well it done. Was, it was pretty special to be a part of that and pretty cool. Um, let me see. I think I got. I don't know where it is. Oh yeah, yeah. we're good here. One sec. You gotta. You gotta. You gotta see it. You gotta see it. Here we go. Let's see. There's my best. There's my best Bobby Clark impression. Oh yeah, you gotta send that. Oh, yeah, we gotta, you gotta send, send that send over that to us so we can put it. We on gotta. There. We gotta pop that on. Uh, <laughs> That's great. That actually. is amazing. That's actually. That's really good. You got <laughs> a wooden twig there. The gloves. Oh, everything. Everything. Like oh, you walk great. in and they had. They had like each player like to a t what skates what gloves what stick and like yeah just a real cool experience That's but awesome. uh maybe maybe we can get bobby clark to see that but uh yeah yeah, it was yeah really, for sure it was a great it was a great we'll great get- experience hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And so that's so cool. We'll get it in front of them for sure. But yeah. I, I do got to say, I, I, I've seen some, I've seen some, some videos of your hands and some, maybe oh, some old, old school. We were clips watching of, your, your highlights of the, I was going to ask you actually, uh, are you still, are you, do you have time to play men's league or are you just so busy, man? So I played some senior hockey last year, which was an absolute nightmare because there's always these junior B all-stars <laughs> that think you play pro right. and it's their time like to fun. test you. 
Yeah, so I got got into some trouble there. We'll just say, um, but uh, yeah, <laughs> you know what? I I had to dial back the men's league because I went out about a month and a half ago to my first over thirty five because I'm thirty six now. So the older yeah. guys are like, "Hey, come out to our team over thirty five. You'll be our ringer." It was my first day out, and I blew my knee out. So oh, no. I, oh. so, so uh not terrible but i just i've had to take some time off of playing because i coach that's what like i do development for that's what i do for a living is i coach so i can't yeah. i can't really afford to to be off the ice for for six to eight weeks if i do it worse but um right. i actually do play on a i do play on another men's league team with coach chippy i'm sure you guys have seen him yeah on, yeah i've seen him on your yeah so he, so he's uh coach chippy and jeremy a couple of social media guys so um get i get an opportunity to skate usually once a week when i'm healthy and um ultimately i i just want to be in a track suit and push pucks around the ice and bust out a couple nice moves every now and again but um yeah there you go i yeah i don't i don't have much time to practice i'm coaching so much and um you know it's it's just such a joy to to be able to be around the game whether it's with the pro guys or the young young boys or girls that i coach it's it's something that i that i do not take lightly and will never ever take for granted again that's awesome. That's amazing. Well, we appreciate you, Brady, man. Yeah, you know, so God much. bless. And uh geez, keep forging ahead. You're gonna keep you're just gonna keep, you know, just just show you're showing how powerful the mind is and how how resilience can you know yeah. can, can help you get through the toughest of times. So I mean, props to you. I can't wait to see this. Yeah, uh, I'm like, I'm excited. And I just, you know, wish you the best in the future. It's going to open up more and more doors. I mean, you're doing it yourself already, and it just keeps proving to be true. So you got a bright future, brother. Thank you very much. And I believe there's uh, plans to make it into a full fledged documentary um, after the uh, the short, short and condensed version on on Hockey Night. So um, lots of cool stuff coming down the pipe, uh, but I wouldn't be where I'm at with with guys like yourself and 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 be given these opportunities to share my story and to kind of be welcome back to the hockey community. So thank you to you guys and, and thank you to everybody who supported my journey uh, over the last four years and uh, hopefully for a long time to come. Absolutely. All right, brother. Well, anything we do to help, let us know and yeah. we'll, we'll be in touch. Thank you very much, guys. Keep up the good work. Big thank you to Brady Leoville for hopping on. Crazy. Great crazy. guy. Wild, crazy, sad, yeah. happy story in yeah, the end right. here. Um, like, you almost listen to what he goes through. Even he was kind of getting emotional. Like, it's just, it's it's tough. You know, not we don't almost, know right? him that well. Um, you, you know him, uh, obviously, better than myself, but just knowing that he went through that god man it's it's heartbreaking and so many go through you know kids and all everybody but uh great story great guy um thankful he joined us yeah man, no doubt sure. yeah. You think of how many times he shared his story and he's still oh, getting verklempt and, and yeah. sad and rightfully so i mean it's like you know he said hell on earth i mean <sighs> it's exactly what it is but uh amazing amazing story and a story of hope and resilience and you know, battling through the darkness and finding your way and then doing good, right? I mean, he's taking his his struggles and his story and he's and he's using it for good. So yes, for got to sure. give him a lot of credit and uh, he's got a bright future. I'm telling you, like, like you, we talked about, I was on his podcast early, early on, how many years ago it was. I remember and he watching, was, he was in, in, like he said, in a friend's He bar. was literally, uh, yeah. like it seemed like in a closet, the one I did with him, you know, just like, because again, he had nothing. He was just right. like, just trying to do what he, what he could with what he had, which is, 
essentially borrowed resources, but yep. uh, he's got a ton of support, a ton of help from people because of what we talked about being vulnerable and yep. sharing. So appreciate, uh, yes. appreciate you, Brady, and all awesome. the good stuff you've been been doing. So moving yeah, on, yeah, moving on. Hey, don't forget, coming up pretty soon here. Oh, February seventeenth, MetLife Stadium, fans of Philly, Paige and Joe have it all hooked up. It's going to be a party, Riggs. It is. You're going to wear your winter coat because it might be cold. Probably a toque and mitts, too. Oh, mitsies? Probably a scarf. Got to take care of the Can't wait. Best sports travel agency around. Fans of Philly. Cannot wait. It's going to be a great day. Great experience. Looking forward to it. How how banged up do you think Debo is going to be? He'll be probably pretty relaxed. Oh, well, he's, yeah. He's, he's always relaxed. When he's, is he not relaxed? He's, he's composed. He is composed. That's why the ladies are just flocking to him. It's craziness, Debo. I think we probably got the little, little pit stop at Indigo on the way. <laughs> oh, Indigo definitely going by there before we head there. To the Met Life, definitely. New Jersey residents Sierra only. Boys. New Jersey <laughs> residents only, for sure. Yes. All right, we're ready, Nas. Are we ready? Is it that time, Bowler? We are ready to transition into the next part of this show. Into Clear Room questions? Oh, yeah. Brought to you by ClearRoom.com. Go to ClearRoom.com slash shop for 35% off if you use the code NASTY2023, and you will receive 35% off in PA only. But it's, it's time. Deal. It's that it's time. A it's a great deal. And deal. as you see, well, you didn't see the ones out of the fridge that are gone. So I'm trying to behave with a little these. magic trick. Yeah, a little, little magic. But let's get into it. Let's get into it. Baller clear rum questions. Got a couple questions here about your boy Hollywood. Oh, Hollywood. First one is from Life in Picks RT over on the gram. Was Anthony Sanfilippo telling the truth about Hazy? Had anything to do with Quitter Gautier? Well, quitter go Um, Well, I have no doubt. If Anthony said he was told that by someone, then he was probably told that by someone. Yeah. I was j- earlier when we talked. I just I spoke to Hazy literally after this came out. Uh, he must have seen it on uh, social media, and you know he obviously said he has never told the kid that. But like we had said earlier, even if he did say that. And the kids, like, if that's all he needed, you yeah. know, to say, I don't want to play here, I mean, I think it's stupid anyway. I think he should have enough people in his corner and his camp helping him. But uh, I, I believe Anthony, if he was told that, I believe that he was told that. But I don't think Hazy did that. I don't think Hollywood told the kid not to sign here. Yeah, I would agree with you. I, I think uh, Anthony gets – is information you know he, he gets good information he does, yes um you have to realize too it, a lot of times it's a game of telephone and things get lost in translation sometimes so we True. don't know like the exact way that that piece of information was presented but you know again if if hazy did let's just use that let's for argument he did, yeah. if he did like knowing his relationship with the flyers and how it landed up you know like you could only hold that opinion with so much credibility, you know what I mean. Right. It's like one piece of information out of all these different you know resources. If you're actually going around snooping around asking people for what to do, right? Um, but uh, I've heard that he, he he's 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 standing by. He didn't say that, which right. I mean, if he's saying that, you know, you, you know, he got to believe him. But again, even if he di- even if he did, 
we can't be making a, a huge deal about one guy's opinion, especially, yeah. you know, a guy that he left Philly on some bit of disgruntled terms, right? right. So, you, you know, as, as a professional, as someone that's evaluating information, that has to be, you know, in yeah. consideration. Well, even if you, if you pay attention, which I'm sure Cutter pays attention to hockey. Of course. Uh, he, it wasn't a secret that Torts wasn't a fan of Hazy. That's right. Or the other guys we talked about earlier, but at the same time, like you said, what if Hazy did say, man, I don't know, like, you, you know, if he's just going to go off one person yeah. telling him that, then there's yeah. some other issues. And then you're what, you're calling up your agent, your parents yeah, saying, I want out of yeah, Philly because Hazy yeah. said so? Like, yeah, yeah I don't know. Exactly. So it don't, make, it don't make a whole lot of sense. I'm, I'm not disputing that Ant got that information. You know, I sure think, he did. I mean, he you wouldn't know, say it A lot did. of stuff, you know, travels around. And, um, yeah, he wouldn't, he wouldn't just make that up. Right, um, 100%. Um, but, um, you know, just you also got to understand how information travels sometimes and it gets – chopped up or misunderstood or yeah. you know he said this and didn't say that and um but the reality is is cutter's a big boy he's got a big boy agent and uh they got to make hard, hard decisions for the you know for, for the client for, yep. for 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 cutter and you know they did they did see ya yeah <laughs> exactly Wish good you luck. question though. yeah good, good, great question guinea ginchman 2727 Ooh. over on twitter did Hayes want Chief out of St. Louis? <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. attack on Hayes. Just attack, no. Hayes called up Army and said, well, yeah. we want Chief out. No, no, he loves She Actually, the <laughs> other night when all this went down, we after we talked about that, we, we spoke about uh, about Chief and he missed him misses him and loved him yeah, absolutely loved him. I could see I could see that. And Chief you know, talked highly of Hayes. Yeah. yeah. Maybe Cairo. Yeah, Kaizy maybe not. Kaizy maybe got him out of <laughs> but, there. But uh, no, Hazy actually absolutely loved Chief yeah. and said he's the, his words. He's the fucking man. Yeah. Philly News Time over on Twitter. Should the Flyers pursue Zegris, and if so, who off the roster is reasonable to trade? Tip it, Frost? Question mark. Ooh. Oh, definitely not Tippy. Definitely not a tipster. Uh, well, listen, I, I, I know, I know Torch. We've been told Torch is a huge fan of Zegers. <laughs> the, the word on the street is it's his style of player. It's his style of play, <laughs> player, yeah. Um, first of all, I don't think that would happen at all because I think Torch would lose his mind. Yeah. I'm not saying he's making those calls. Obviously, that's up to Danny Breer, um, Jonesy. Uh, but uh, I don't know, man. Like, you guys were throwing out the numbers uh, a few minutes ago. Like, I, you know, I guess he's got decent numbers until this year. He has been hurt. Yeah, a little rough um, year for him. Highly skilled. I mean, I could see maybe like skilled. a frosty Z. Z I, I don't know. Again, yeah, I, I mean, because it's kind of player type for player type. I can't imagine getting rid of a, a power forward like Tip. Yeah, like Tip. Shoot, yeah. shoot like that. I still like think that. Tip's got a lot more. Yeah, in his tank he here does, as he gets yeah. older, and, uh, um, but uh, but certainly he's like a shiny nickel. He's a flashy player. The Zegers, what I'm talking about here now, um, yeah. that yeah, he, he he makes some plays look fun and enjoyable. But you know, from a coach's perspective, I mean, I'm I'm just not sure that Torts is the <laughs> well, guy. He grinds he wants to play. it out in the corners and stuff. So I mean, he does, he does, <laughs> he does that. Does he corners of the bar? <laughs> corners of the bar. <laughs> Yeah, well, he's surfing. He's surfing. Uh, but uh, I don't know. That's a, that's a great question because we did hear some rumblings about that. But um, I don't know who I would trade. Jamie Drysdale called up 
Danny B and says, <laughs> gotta get this guy, gotta in, get here. This guy in here. Get high some ball taps and headbutts <laughs> yeah. before we go out for the game. Uh, it'd be interesting to see if something like that does happen, though, especially with, I don't think Torts would yeah, let's, be loving that. You got to give those guys some some space and some rope, but like if they're not producing with that space and rope, like they quickly become yeah. the fringe guy. He is a fun guy to watch. He He's fun, great yeah. in warm ups, too. Oh, great in warm ups. <laughs> Everybody's great solid flow. Yeah, the flow. Yeah, He's got, got it skills. all. We'll see. Then we got to put him in the corner and grind. <laughs> we'll get you over there and help out with that. Yeah, that's what I do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> great great question. What do you got, Baller? You got we got one? one final one from Brandon McComsey over on Instagram. What's the most ridiculous equipment-related request ever given? Man, I've got I've got one that really sticks out, and it was a young man that came. Uh, he signed as a free agent out of college. And first, <laughs> we signed him. Let's say it's a Wednesday. He signed on a Wednesday. He comes to the rink on a Thursday. And as I introduced myself with Paul Holmgren, actually, uh, he says, are my pads here? And I'm like, <laughs> well, uh, I said, well, I don't know. Actually, I don't. Just even, making them in the back. Right yeah, now. yeah. Let me <laughs> finish showing them up here. But no, I, uh, I didn't even know what he used for equipment. Um, and I said, well. I don't know what you use, but I said, we'll sit down today and, and uh, we'll talk about it. And we'll get them ordered. I know I should have signed in Dallas. Wow. That's what he says. And I'm like, <laughs> and, and Homer guy? heard that? Oh, well, Homer was five feet away. Oh, and if, you, I'm if just you really like, would have heard it, he would probably strangle I'm him. like, hmm. Oh, I know. I brought it up upstairs. Wow. But uh, what a anyway, to the equipment. So once we do start talking about it, he is explaining the skates that he needs. Or uh, He wore graph skates. And he wanted the eyelets to be white. Ooh. Okay. On the what black boot. White, white. Yeah. And I'm like, why? I'm like, why white eyelets? And he says, well, it's just my thing. And I mm. said, that's your thing where well, your pads cover your skates. So I'm not <laughs> sure, like, is it for looks? It's just, it's just one of my things. I have to have this. So fast forward, we order everything he needs. Fast forward. We get his we get his gear. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was Vaughn, and his pads come in a few weeks later, <clears throat> and there was one part of the pad right on the break in the knee on the outside. And when I tell you it's a triangle of like two inches, maybe two inches, was orange. He wanted that piece black. He goes, I can't wear these. And I said, What? What do you mean you can't wear these? He says, Well, they're wrong. I'm like, I'm like, bro, they're. They're exactly what you want it. Oh, this is supposed to be black and it's orange or vice versa or whatever I said. And I'm like, well, the Vaughn guy's here. And you know, Yorgi, he's from Winnipeg. Mm. Yorgi happened to be there. And I said, he says he can't wear them. He goes, let me talk to him. So we get Yorgs. Yorgs a big man. Comes down. It's like, what's the problem, bud? And he's kind of like, well, I wanted this part. He goes, nasty, you got a Sharpie? <laughs> Cause I can't cut. And that's what I had said too. And he then he kind of backed off, but the the eyelets I think were the thing that the biggest really thing, you know, that's that's an interesting me. request. And I was just like, they can do it, but this didn't make a lot of sense to me. So he he was a handful. I won't, I won't say his name. Oh, that's what I was gonna well, ask. Well, I don't know. Why not? Why don't you say it? We called him MLT. MLT. That was his nickname. But uh, he meat was lettuce he and, was meat, lettuce he, and tomato. No, no, he just <laughs> <laughs> he was he was okay. He, he was he was he was a, a decent kid. He just I don't know if 
High expectations for gear. Yes, very. And things just didn't go well. Yeah, well, later, you know, as as it went on for him, unfortunately. But uh, I, I don't have any. Let's yeah, should have should have had anything bad to say about him as a person. He was a little. I think maybe he was a little. His head was a little big coming in. You know, signing a, a deal with the Flyers and that uh, didn't really work out. Quickly humbled. He, very quickly. Yeah, he he was trying to kick uh, veterans off the off the uh, table uh, to get a massage oh, yeah. and, and be rad. <laughs> Set straight yeah. really really quick yeah so and just r- quickly that was a great question actually quickly talking about paul holmgren he told me you're lying did you tell baller i will i, I don't i'm know, gonna I, tell the listeners who are listening he told you he loved your beard he did he told me the <laughs> other day bullshit. he told he me the other that. day in line at the game at the <laughs> Ed Snyder's birthday party festivities, which was awesome, which was awesome by the way. Great game, great old school game against Calgary Flames too. But in line, grabbing a little brunch, Homer right behind me says, "Like the beard." (laughs) (laughs) So full of shit. I'm dead serious, man. I was like, "Thanks, man." I was like, "Appreciate it, growing it for you." He's got a buzzed military cut. Oh wait! Well, he actually grows he's, he's the beard. He's got the beard going he's right now. He's got a beard right now. He does do that not in the quite, winter. Not now. quite this long, but I, I hope not. <laughs> it's grayer than it's, yours. It's yeah, I know it is. Yeah, well, he's dude. Also, we got to trim this thing anyway. Sorry. Well, great job happened. of clear. It, <laughs> it happened. <laughs> so you say we're gonna get some confirmation well, up, on hit, that. Hit up Homer. Ask I'm gonna. Him. I am gonna hit him up. I'm gonna ask him why he told you that. I'm trying to get you to get rid of this thing because he likes it. Plain and simple. Oh, boy. Okay. Well, that's a wrap. That's a wrap. Clear questions <laughs> in the bag. Thanks, Baller Debo. Yes, thank you, guys. Putting those together. And that's a wrap here, Nas. Yeah, 142. 142. Yeah. Can't believe it. I can't either. Still rocking the same sweatshirt. We are now. We trade. We're throw that up on the site. Oh, you have to. Yeah, you're supposed to be doing that. <laughs> Jackie Moon over here. Jackie I'm The Moon. website designer. Do it all. Yeah. Do it all. Commerce. Got a goalie over there, yeah. soccer goalie, do it doing all. it all. But that's a wrap here. Right. One forty-two in the books. Until yep. next week for one forty-three. Be sure to hop on YouTube, subscribe to our channel, like, comment, ask some questions. Until next week, stay safe, knuckleheads. Yep.